Hello, everybody. Welcome into another episode where we dive into the journey of entrepreneurial wins, losses, and everything in between. I am your host, Blythe Brumley of bonjourwithblythe.com and also digitaldispatch.io. And in every episode of this podcast, I like to cover digital marketing news you might have missed, how that plays into your own strategy, the wins, the losses with lessons learned that could help your business grow, and with a little personal story or two mixed in. Now, as far as a game plan for this show, we're going to get into those 2020 goals. How are they looking so far? How to actually plan for them so you don't feel like, you know, January is almost over and I'm nowhere near closer to my goals sort of panic attack. Uh, we're going to be using the look back workbook methodology. We're also going to be talking about the dangers of overspending on software you don't need, the truth about content marketing, marketing, and also diving into some of my favorite things that I've read over the last few weeks since you have last heard from me, and I think you're going to find them pretty entertaining. Now, this is the first show of 2020 for me, and I'm really in a let's get it kind of mood. The holidays are over. The Jaguar season has mercifully come to an end, and I'm recording my last show in this office, in my current office. Now, it's it's been a little bit of an emotional week. As I said, I, I, I'm I'm moving, so I am starting to pack up my home. This is a home that I have been in for more than 10 years. I'm getting ready to move. Um, so in addition to that, I'm handling my normal client work when all of a sudden you, you, you check Twitter on the little downtime that you do have. And I started to see the rumors that Kobe Bryant had died. And it was such a, it was one of those moments where you're checking social media and it's like, no, this is not true. You know, you, you see who originally reported it. It's, it was TMZ who originally reported it. And it's one of those things you don't want to believe. And it's like, no, I, I'm not believing sort of a tabloid sort of news site, if you want to call it that, which I mean, I do call it that, but in a sense, they've been right about a lot of different stories and, it was just, it was one of those gut-punching, gut-wrenching sort of days. Every no, Normal, I think, football fans, maybe you were getting ready for to watch the Pro Bowl. Maybe you were enjoying your first Sunday without any kind of quote-unquote real football. And that kind of news just stops you in your tracks. If you're a sports fan, if you're any kind of sort of, I guess, uh, if you pay attention, even just, you know, to pop culture. Kobe Bryant is such a huge impact and tragically the 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 death of 41 year old kobe bryant his daughter uh was also Gigi was also on that helicopter flight that it crash landed and and there were several other families that were on board unfortunately and it's since the tragedy occurred there there hasn't been a day since then that i haven't teared up we've been sort of inundated through social media and through just you know tv coverage and broadcast journalism where it's it's all different kinds of stories about this man, how he lived his life, um, the, the 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 lessons that you can learn, and 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 maybe you're you're seeing a sad story where you're you're, you're thinking obviously about all the families and how they're affected. Um, maybe you're seeing a funny story come across where you know it. it, it one of my favorites that I heard was uh, Nick Young, former Laker. I, actually, I don't know if he's still on that squad. I, I don't think he's even playing in the league anymore. Uh, but Nick Young, former NBA player, he he tweeted a you know some some a little lighthearted humor to go along with the, the the passing, which happens anytime someone tragically 
passes, especially unexpectedly. He was just going about his normal day and his normal week, and and now it's just it seems so. It just seemed like something that was so routine for him and his family, and now it's a moment of wow, like they, you know, it, it, it's just one of those moments that it's really, really tough. So seeing stories from a guy like you know Nick Young, where he said you know that that the competitive nature of Kobe Bryant was just so intense that he remembers that one time after a loss that he took everyone's shoes in the locker room. He took them. He took his own Kobe shoes. He said because those players didn't deserve to wear them. Uh, and then you also experience those moments of, of, of happy moments where you see him, you know, clips of, of him and his daughter sitting courtside and he's explaining a scheme in basketball and that look of pride when she understands what he's talking about and that look of pride that he gives her like, yeah, she gets it. And it, it's it's such a an iconic pop culture person just in general that has passed and it and and I know it sounds strange to be you know tearing up and grieving over somebody that I've never met I I never even saw him you know unfortunately play in person it was one of those you know bucket list items like oh I'll do it I'll do it and eventually and it just never happens and it's it's just it's a sad story all around but and just watching the, the the footage and you know, everything that, that's come from it. And I, and I don't want to spend a whole bunch of time. This is not what this show is going to be about. Um, but I'm sure most of you have been paying attention. And, and you probably don't want to grieve anymore, be sad anymore. And I completely get that. Um, this show is not going to be centered around Kobe Bryant. Um, but I, I think if there are a few little takeaways from this week and, and, and seeing his message, I, I just wanted to give you a few little takeaways just based off of his life that that he absolutely um, either said publicly or or he that's just the mom mentality that's behind the the aura that is Kobe Bryant and it's that the, the first one is don't rush life I mean obviously he he that that is one thing out of this entire tragedy that you should take is is don't rush life it's it's it can happen in a blink of an eye where your entire life is changed just with one decision to to take a cab over to take an uber or to take a helicopter if you have the means to do so and and because of that sentiment if you care about someone or something don't be afraid to tell them don't be afraid to hit send on that text message and don't be afraid to hit publish on that meaningful blog article maybe that that you've been waiting to to publish you know try new things learn something new get humble work your ass off for the things that you care about but don't rush life make time for people and the things that are important to you and 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 I think I can I can say that you know we all feel a little robbed that we couldn't watch that next phase of Kobe's life as a dedicated father but at the end of the show I'm I'm going to be playing a clip from his retirement speech that includes a message to his family and why the journey is the key to the dream not the destination with all of that said, let's go ahead and let's kick things off with our very first topic. And is how are your 2020 goals going? Because if you're anything like me, uh, not so great right around this time. Um, well, usually this is. Usually when, when January comes around, I go into a sports detox. It's usually the Jaguars are out of it for, you know, except for one year, 2017, out of the entire past decade and, and really my, my entrepreneurial career. January has been the first month that I can really dive into my planning. Um, 
but normally I go through a little bit of a detox because I, I normally we have, you know, a Game of Thrones season coming up or we have a new Star Wars movie or a new Star Wars show. Uh, we do have Clone Wars coming up in February um, for, for avid Star Wars fans. Um, but for a lot of casual Star Wars fans, I, I doubt you're going to be watching Clone Wars. But we normally have something else to, to or I normally have something else to sort of digest and binge. And uh, at this time of the year, you know, it's also historical documentaries and, and a bunch of like different YouTube videos and uh, different books that you can dive into. January is just such a, a, a cool month where a lot of us are staying indoors because we're sick of seeing, we're sick of being social, we're sick of seeing our families after all the holidays. That's definitely the case for me, where I just sort of go into to hermit mode and I, I, I read and I write and I plan and I, I do all of the year's planning in, for in this month. Um, but this January, it, 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 it's different for me. So I'm also preparing for a move. I, 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 like I said earlier in this show, I am preparing to leave a house that I have been in for the, the most, no, more than a decade. Yeah, definitely more than a decade. And going through the process of going through each room, I'm taking a meticulous approach where I have to go through and I have to sort through of, of what to keep what to put in storage, what to donate, uh, should I have a garage sale, should I just give everything away? There's so many decisions to be made. And I think that that's, you know, with the, the, the thing with January is that's where balance and focus also comes into play. Uh, so the gym, um, the Calm Meditation app, which I swear by, LeBron James just did a partnership with them too that talks about how he prepares for games and, and big moments. Um, that That's a really great listen. But just the Calm Meditation app in general, and just getting outside, I think, in general, and not outside with a bunch of people, but getting outside into nature. And really, I, I feel like that that just helps me focus. It helps me, it, it, it helps with a greater clarity of, of what I want to do for uh, the, the, the upcoming months for the rest of this year leading into the following year. And when I started going through this, I started thinking about the move and it was almost like a, a, a light bulb moment for me because the same methodology or the same method that I'm using for moving is the same thing that I could be applying. It's the same methodology that I could be applying to my business and life. Like what strategies worked well for me last year? What were my biggest returns? What were my biggest failures? What can I keep doing? What should I not be doing? And what advice can I give to others like yourself to learn from my mistakes? And so if you're sort of feeling that same anxiety, I, I this is what I want you to do. I want you to grab a journal or maybe open up the notes app on your phone. Um, really, but anything that you can write on physically, tangibly write on, not necessarily your phone, because I, I, I think that that's going to go into uh, my next tip, because I'm going to share some wisdom that I gathered from this bullet style journal. And you're, don't roll your eyes at the bullet style journal. I've tried most of them and most of them are shit, to be honest. Uh, most of them, they feel great in theory. I look at them and I'm like, oh great, I'm going to use this so many times and they just sit on a shelf collecting dust. But this one particular book was very small. It was maybe 20 pages long and it's called the Look Back Plan Ahead Workbook and it's a reflection and goal setting guide. 
So I have this particular book, but you can just sort of use, it it has a lot of different questions about reflection and things like that. I didn't necessarily answer all of those questions, but what I really, really liked about it and what I think you can sort of take from it is, is using some of their methodology, which really isn't their methodology. It really is just a way to, to carve out your path and your goals and to make them actionable. So if you have a journal, if you have a notepad, go ahead, get that out. And now you got your notepad. What I want you to do next is I want you to take it and I want you to go outside. I want you to leave the cell phone in the car and I want you to use this book and this pen or pencil, whatever your, your, your pleasure is. And I want you to start thinking. And when you start thinking of the the macro level of your 2020 goals, you want to write down six of them, six goals that you want to accomplish in 2020. Now for each of those goals, like you want to think, and it's not just, it doesn't have to be business related. Some of mine are personal, some of mine are business. I, I like a good balance of both. And which each of these goals you then take out, you go into the micro of it. So your macro is your big time goals, six of them that you want to accomplish in 2020. And then you dive into your the micro actions that you need to take for each one of those goals. So once you've mapped out each one, and if I, if I was you, this is what I would do. I would write them all down on one sheet of paper. And then on, on the next very page, write down that first one again. And on that first page, then for each of those goals, you're going to map out monthly milestones that will help you achieve those goals. Are there any of the tasks that you have to do daily, monthly, quarterly? What are those goals that you're going to have to, what are those actions that you're going to have to take to achieve that one goal? Break it down by month. If you need to break it down by quarterly, monthly, or even daily, then write those down too. And I would segment them out as far as monthly, maybe quarterly, because I think some of my goals definitely are more centered around the quarterly mark. That seems more achievable for me, to be honest. Um, But you definitely want to have those big tasks that you can tackle for each one of those goals. Now, like I said, I went through this process myself, and it really, really helped gain some mental clarity. And and not just with my business, but with this move, this this move for me, and and I'm 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 moving in with with my boyfriend, and it's it's something about you know leaving because we're both we're both leaving a space that we've lived in solo for years, um, and we're moving in together. So it was really really important to both of us that that we go to a place where we have a, at least three bedrooms, and that very, sounds very much like a first world problem. Um, but I've worked hard in my life, and so I, I feel like I'm at a stage where I can I can demand that I want at least a three bedroom home that we're going to be renting, not buying yet. Um, so it's one of those situations where I have my space. He has his space, and then we have our bedroom where we come together, and obviously the rest of the the the, the rest of the the living situation. But that was one of my goals that was in the book, and it's like, how am I going to tackle this project? And tackling a move is a lot like tackling a business plan and and mapping out those goals for yourself because it really helped me in the clarity department because this move is about coming together as a team to build something greater than ourselves. But it's also encouraging each other to grow individually. So your business goals and your personal goals are both equally as important as important and but all those goals are just dreams if you don't have an actionable 
plan. So get that lookbook plan ahead workbook. You can you can either make one yourself in just a random notepad or a random notebook, or you can snag one that I actually used. And I use, you can find it at freeperiodpress.com. I bought mine at a random shop in Atlanta. So maybe they have it at a random bookstore that, that's close to you. But if you wanted to snag it online, it's freeperiodpress.com. And it's called the Look Back Plan Ahead Workbook. Now, based on my look back workbook experience, gosh, that's a tongue twister, but my biggest lessons that I sort of learned about, not sort of, I definitely learned about myself, and I hope that you won't fall into this trap, and one of those big lessons is do not, do not buy that software program until you understand your work processes, and this goes to a larger lesson learned, and that's don't overspend on software. I did this last year. I purchased several new products and programs thinking that they were going to solve all of my problems, but instead they only complicated them. So I I, I felt overloaded. I couldn't give each platform the training time that it needed. And some of that software that I bought that I'm still spending money on I haven't used. And it's almost like just lighting a bunch of money, just lighting it on fire. And it hurts me to even think about wasted money that I've just, you know, just just put down the drain and I can't get back. But it's an expensive lesson that I'm learning and I'm hopefully you won't do the same thing in return. So when I say that I overspent on software, I spent, I decided to get three new programs I, you know, because you run it, you go into the new year so motivated, right? And you think that, oh, I'm going to get this software. It's going to solve my bookkeeping issues. This software is going to sign my, or it's going to solve my uh, software issues when it when it comes to onboarding new customers. Um, and then I'm going to get this software. It's going to help my marketing problems too. But all of these issues, like uh, when you take on that much software, You also have to figure out how it's going to be integrated into your normal working business day. And and for me, trying to learn a bunch of new software, I felt overloaded. I couldn't give each platform the training time that I really, really needed. And and this is all this all could have been avoided if I defined my work processes first and then dedicated several weeks to training and implementation per software program. And it sounds, I think it sounds, it doesn't sound as hard as you think, but you got to know how that software is going to fit into your day. And then you have to train yourself into fitting that new software into your processes, which is so, so much harder than you think. So I'm sure like maybe you're you're probably asking yourself, well, why do I need to even figure out a work? What is a work process and why is it important? Well, the work process is, is, is you almost have to, from a macro level, you have to figure out what you do. Say if you, for example, if you're onboarding a new customer, what are the things that you do once someone becomes a customer? We're not even going to talk about how to even get a customer because that is a dedicated show in and of itself. But for the sake of this show and for the sake of time, let's talk about how what happens when you onboard a new customer. You made the sale. Fantastic. What happens next, right? What is the first thing that you have to do? 
do you, are you sending that cut are you sending that customer information to a customer service manager if you're lucky if you're an entrepreneur um you're probably doing it yourself you probably are the sales and the customer service manager um do you need that new client to to sign a contract fill out a questionnaire uh do you need to schedule an onboarding meeting do you need to send a what to expect email tasks like these that you do on a regular basis they need to be documented if you are starting up a new campaign, what does that process look like? Uh, these are the type of things that you need to define first before you figure out if that piece of software is going to help you in your life. Because all of these tasks, once you have them documented, and I'll tell you why you need to document them, because then you have a clear path set up. Then you know what processes you can automate what processes you can maybe send to a virtual assistant or which one of those processes that you can you can outsource or the which ones that you need to actually do yourself maybe you can't automate that email to your customer you obviously can't automate an onboarding meeting you're going to have to physically be able to handle that meeting or maybe you pass it off to somewhere else it, no matter what your processes look like you need to document them appropriately and 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 for me personally one of the software programs that i i signed up for probably a little too soon uh but i thank the lord that i did because it's been such a lifesaver since then uh, but i use a tool called dubsado and it's a customer management platform and that holds all my contracts my questionnaires my canned emails all of those things once i defined my workflow and my work process and and, and then I was able to use that software in order to automate a lot of those tasks. So for a perfect example, if someone makes a purchase on my website, then immediately after they make their purchase, then they're taken to a survey page. And on that survey page, not a survey page, it's not technically a survey, but they're asked a, a few different questions. They're asked, who was their sales rep? which most likely it's going to be me. Um, then they're also asked, you know, which services did you purchase? And based off of what they chose, they're going to get a questionnaire. So maybe they only bought a website or maybe they are, or a five page website, for example, maybe they bought a five page website from me. So from there, they're going to be sent a website questionnaire from Dubsado. Um, or if they bought marketing services, if, if they have, you know, they want social media posting added to their plan, um, then from there, then they'll get a marketing questionnaire that's sent to them. If they have both, then they're sent both questionnaires. Uh, so, so all of those things, including canned emails, emails that you send all the time, you can make them personalized. And that's what I really love about Dubsado is, is once I, I defined my work processes, then I created a workflow within their platform based off of specific types of customers. And then from there, I can automate a lot of my business where it used to take me weeks to make a proposal. Week, not weeks, um, days. Kind of. Uh, it still takes me a few hours to do like a custom proposal. But with Dubsado, I don't have to worry about in that anymore. If they want it, if they want an instant price, if they want to book a, an appointment with me, it's all done through that platform. But to actually now that that software that I use that I later in the year became obviously more trained on it earlier in the year, it was just so much to just comprehend because I was one of those entrepreneurs that just sort of just flew by the seat of my pants. I knew 
what to do, you know, web and marketing wise. But after I get a sale, it was like, what was those next steps? So defining those steps was honestly the toughest part. But then after that, after you define those processes, then adding them into a software tool like Dubsado. And I think I'm pretty sure that there's other, there's other programs out there. Um, but that, that's just the software that I use. And it's made a lot of my working automated and it's made it but still personalized where I can just focus on the things that I need to focus on, like the onboarding meeting, instead of making sure if, you know, that contract got sent or if they filled out that questionnaire, they don't get to move on to the next steps until after they have figured out a lot of that, uh, after they have answered a lot of those really tough questions. Um, now to actually map out your workflow, I use a tool called Funnelytics, and honestly, it's probably overkill for the overwhelming majority of you, because uh, really all you need is a piece of paper to map out your workflow. Um, I've even experimented with uh, Google Slides, which is their like free version of Microsoft PowerPoint. Um, so I've used that too, where you you know you draw out the little boxes, and if this happens, then this happens. If 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 X happens, then this person's contacted. If Y happens, then this person is contacted. Um, I use Funnelytics because I do a lot of content funnels, and they integrate with custom URLs and stuff like that. Um, so I, I I've thought about honestly, I've thought about getting rid of that software program, but it gives me a lot of good data that I can run off of. But the overwhelming majority of you, you can just use a pen and a paper, jot out your work processes. And then from there, you can look at different software tools that will fit into what is going to help you automate, what's going to help you work smoother, and and also what's going to help you close those deals faster and, and really just almost like make like a virtual assistant for yourself. So you got to define those work processes first. That is the biggest takeaway before you spend a dime on software. Now, another big thing that I wanted to talk about is more on the client side, and it's the truth about content marketing. Now, if you're working in an office or you're a business owner, the truth is an overwhelming majority of you don't have the time needed to properly research, write, edit, post, and distribute your content marketing plan. It's, I, I speak from a level of frustration because it's, it's, it's client story time. So one of my clients, they, they signed up for a new website plus a content marketing package. And usually that's awesome. Like, it's great. We're going to hit the ground running. So we, my team and I, we relaunched their website. Looks fantastic. Then we researched the, the SEO terms, uh, low-hanging fruit opportunities for blogs, case study ideas, like the works. Uh, we put that content content plan together for them, sent it over because one of the guys in the office was really excited about the new website, a content plan. He was going to be creating the content and publishing it. Fantastic. I can train you on all of that. I can train you on how to do all of that stuff. So what happened? What happened is a few months later, after their website's launched and after the excitement kind of dies down, um, they get their content plan. And what ended up happening is a couple people were let go in their office. So that one guy that was going to be tasked with this responsibility ended up having to pick up the slack for the other people that were let go. So the designated writer had more jobs to do because he had to, he had to focus on the more instant revenue producing jobs. But since then, zero content has been published to their site. And this happens 
way more often than you would think. People think blogging is easy. They think creating content is easy. And the truth about content marketing is it takes time, a lot of time, uninterrupted time. And you have to decide what's going, who's going to come up with these ideas. If you're trying to create uh, your own content plan, you have to decide Every bit, you're going to have to defi- you define those work processes. You got to do it for content marketing too. And you got to do it for every step of the way, the research phase, the creation phase, the editing phase, the publishing phase, and then also the distribution phase. So you have to decide who's going to write, who's going to edit, who's going to publish, who's going to send it out to all your social media platforms, which social media platforms are you going to send it to? What's going to be your tone on each one of these social media platforms? What do you want the audience to do once they come to your website? Do you want them to sign up for an email newsletter? Do you want them to pick up the phone and call? Do you want them to follow you on social media? Do you want them to download a case study? You got to figure it all out uninterrupted. It's almost impossible for most companies to be able to do this uninterrupted. And that's why companies like mine are hired. We do this for you. And for those of you who want to do it themselves, we offer the guidance and consulting, but very, very, very few actually create the articles needed on a consistent long-term basis. And when I say very, very few, I do not have one single client that can. Not one. And I have several. And all of these clients start off the same way. They start off very excited and they maybe will write a few articles or, or, or maybe they, they'll do it consistently for a couple months. But then what happens? You get caught up in the normal business stuff and it goes by the wayside and you don't think it's important. But then that intimidation factor starts building. Then it's, oh my gosh, I haven't wrote a new, I haven't written a new blog in two months. And then it turns into four months and then it turns into six months. And it's like, well, you start justifying it to yourself and you start saying, well, Oh, I'll, I'll get to it over the weekend. And then the weekend comes and you don't feel like dealing with it. And it's one of those situations where you have to outsource it. Content, in my opinion, that the perfect strategy to do it, to be consistent on a long-term basis, is you got to outsource it. And I'm not saying you need to outsource all of your content, your strategic SEO content, outsource it. Your case studies, outsource it. Your weekly videos from the CEO, customer service manager, and other employees, publish that in-house because that is very important. This gives you that that strategy, outsourcing your strategic SEO and some of the other cumbersome content that you just, you don't really feel too excited about creating. Let us or a content marketing agency handle that portion because then that gives you that organic SEO approach. But it also positions your company as a thought leader when you're creating some of those videos in-house and you're showing off your expertise of your executive team, you're showing off the expertise of the marketing team. So it's a win-win in, in both of those regards. Now, as far as like what to actually publish, you need to go back to our content planning episode and I'll link this in the show notes to get some ideas because it, there are a lot of different ideas and and I, I, I say all of this information because I, I don't want to scare you away from creating content. I'm, a, I'm creating this content as we speak because I believe in it. And I have to tell myself that I am separating the days where I handle my business stuff 
and I handle the normal client work that needs to be done, but I also need to be diligent and consistent with creating my own content because this content doesn't necessarily set me up for leads that I'm going to get today or tomorrow, but it's going to set up that trust factor that I'll get those leads six, 10, even 10 months from now, a year from now, maybe two years from now. That's the goal of creating content for your site and for your brand. Because outside outside of your website, content is the most important investment you can make at the digital level. But, but do not expect blogging or content creation as a get-rich-quick scheme. You need to, and these are a few different lessons that for everybody that is that is thinking about a content marketing plan, that is is planning on blogging or doing video or maybe even podcasting, all of that stuff is is considered content. You're you're creating a voice for your brand and you're doing it in a digital medium and you're doing it on a variety. Hopefully you're distributing that content on a variety of different platforms. Like I said, that content planning episode is probably right up your alley if you find any of this interesting. But don't expect it to be a get-rich-quick scheme. Like I said, it's a long-term investment. Um, and a lot of times, it's, it's an expensive investment. If you don't know how to edit podcasts, if you don't know how to edit videos, then you need to hire an editor. Um, I'm not saying your your videos need to be super high production. I'm recording this show right now with a, a microphone at my home office and my cell phone. Uh, so this is one of those things where it's, I'm, I'm creating that pillar piece of content, but I'm going to use it in a variety of different ways. Um, but it, like I said, it's not going to send me leads today, but it'll, it might send me leads for six months from now. So I, I just, if you're in those early stages of, of planning your content and even social media too, if you're planning your social media content and I see this like this because I feel so strongly that you should not be building your content plan on a platform that you don't own. Looking at you people, and I'm talking directly to you people who only publish to Instagram, get yourself a damn website, pay $12 for the domain, get yourself a cheap little hosting plan, and publish your content to your website. Publish there first, use social media as a distribution platform. My next tip for those of you who are planning content for 2020 is to get comfortable with video. Like yesterday, get comfortable. And then as far as social media is concerned, pick one or two networks not name Facebook pages, to be dedicated to. Secret tip, LinkedIn. LinkedIn is the hidden gem for me right now as far as content is concerned. And next tip, get really fucking dedicated to the craft. Recognize and be honest with yourself on if you have the capacity to create content on a consistent basis. You need to schedule it and you need to tell, you need to skip that happy hour. If you're going to be blogging on Thursday night, skip the happy hour and blog. If you're going to be writing out your content marketing plan on a Saturday, don't let somebody else tempt you into going out the night before. You have to make the, the, you have to have a certain level of dedication to yourself, to your brand, to your business and how you're planning on growing it. And I think that that comes first with being honest with yourself on if you have the capacity to create content on a consistent basis. Because nowadays there are so many blogs, you know, new podcasts are popping up every single day. Uh, YouTubers, uh, TikTok, all of these platforms are there ripe for the taking, but you have to have a strategy behind it and you have to have an end goal behind it. Otherwise, it is just a hobby. And having a hobby is fine. If you want to just treat it as a hobby, treat it as a hobby. But if you want to make real money off of your business, you have to develop your content plan. And if you don't have the time to do it, then you got to outsource it. Or 
you have one of your team of employees dedicated to the craft. Is I've seen lots of organizations who will say that, oh, the receptionist is going to be blogging for us. It's like, okay, if you're going to assign the receptionist the duties of blogging, then you need to respect their time and let them set aside a day every single week just so they can create content for you. No excuses. Support that. Support the end goal that you have in mind. Support that craft long term because you're going to have to – it it takes a certain level of concentration over several hours in order to pump out a really great – piece of content. And that doesn't matter if you're writing it. That doesn't matter if you're creating a podcast script. This is that this particular show for me, this took about four or five hours to write out and research and, and create the scripts for this show and the show plan of what I plan on talking about. Um, but if you go back and listen to our content planning episode, then you will understand why it took me this long and, and why I choose to, to take the batching strategy. But content marketing is is so very important. The competition is is tough, but it, it's about content marketing is about giving a voice to your brand. So those who are searching online can get familiar with your company and how you can potentially solve their problems. They learn to trust you and hopefully they ultimately end up doing business with you. Now, wrapping up this week's show, I like to send out a few things that I'm watching, listening, digesting. And I, I, I talked earlier in this show about how I'm, you know, in historical documentaries. I'm, I'm definitely into binging them right now. There are a few different channels that I will link to in the show notes. But the first thing that I want to talk about that I read was, uh, was pretty fascinating because uh, if you've listened to the show before, you know I love a good influencer gossip story. And this one particular influencer has has a pretty decent following. I think she has about 50K uh, on Instagram. But she reached out to a hotel because she's planning a vacation. And she reached out to this hotel and she said, in exchange for a free accommodation, uh, I will post, I will give you dedicated posts on my social media and YouTube channels. Um, the owner responded back, uh, shut her down. And I will link to that shut down in the show notes, um, but he shuts her down, and then the owner of the hotel publish it, publishes that, and then the internet shames her. So, okay, fine. Like, it's she, – she learned a, a, a valuable lesson the hard way, the very much a hard way, uh, but one particular comment on this story, and I thought it was a practical approach – to influencer marketing. And I think this is valuable for both influencers and companies who've had someone reach out in order to get, you know, free food, free merch, uh, hotels, etc. cetera. Uh, but this one, uh, this one commenter said that the business owner, whenever he gets requests like this, like free accommodation, and I'll post about you, what he says is he will tell the influencer that he will give them a coupon code for them to post. And if it was redeemed, let's say a hundred times for the use of a hotel stay, this particular hotel owner would then refund the influencer their money that they spent on the hotel stay. Now, this is his policy when it comes to influencers is that he gives them a coupon code. So essentially a glorified a, a affiliate program. But when he, sent this pro- when he sent this announcement out to the influencers, apparently none of them took the deal and nobody posted it on their social media. <laughs> because if you think about it, how often do you actually buy something from an influencer? 
Or how often do you see a post talking about a certain kind of lotion or, I don't know, face cream or something, and you see someone talk about it and you actually instantly buy it? It's probably pretty rare if it ever happens. And I think that sort of the takeaway here, like as the influencer, it, it's it's and, and what this influencer in particular could have learned is that it's your job to prove the value to brands that you're working with or you're trying to work with. It's your job to prove that value. And initially, you have to define what that value means for both you and the brand. And you have to do it before you ever pitch to the company. It's that simple and it's that hard. You have to be proactive as in what's in it for me because that's exactly what that hotel owner was thinking. What's in it for me? He looked at her following and he's like, I have a, I have a bigger following than you. What do I need you for? And for the lifetime value of a social media post is pretty non-existent. Uh, there, it, it, how often do you actually go back and check someone's social? Unless you're creeping, uh, you're probably not going back to, to check someone's account uh, for a coupon code or a, a discount. It's just that the, the longevity of a social media post is just is about a week, maybe, if that. Like I said, unless you're creeping. Now, for brands, if you're working or thinking about working with influencers, you also have to know that you're essentially paying for brand awareness. You're not necessarily paying for instant sales. Now, using the hotel example, how many people are booking a hotel immediately after seeing this chick's post? I'm willing to bet zero. Zero. But her audience might have saved that post. And then in six months, when they're booking a trip to wherever that hotel is located, maybe they went back to that post that they had saved and they book it because they liked the pictures that she posted. So it's not instant gratification, like with some, I, I, I think brands expect that level of instant sales. Um, but it's, it's as a company, if you want instant sales, create an affiliate program. As an influencer, only sign up for affiliate programs for companies or brands that you feel passionate about. Like I know I can, I can think of several people, influencers in my head right now that every single one of their posts is sponsored. And I can tell you every, when I know that overwhelming majority of the stuff that you post is sponsored, I'm scrolling right past. I'm not even reading your caption. I don't give a shit. I'm not engaging with it whatsoever. And I think that as much of us have turned, you know, blinders on when it comes to, you know, ads on a website, I think that that is already happening with a lot of, of, of social media posts and influencer posts. So you really have to, as an influencer, I've heard that you don't want to have more than 25% of your feed sponsored. And 25% sounds like a lot, a lot. Uh, but but that's sort of the, the, the going rate is you do not want to have more than 25% of, of your entire feed sponsored. So keep that in mind when you're thinking about working with different brands. And also brands, keep it in mind when you're scrolling someone's posts. What kind of engagement are they getting? Are they getting engagement from real people or are they getting engagement from other quote unquote influencers? Because guess what? A lot of influencers, they do get a lot of stuff for free. They get a lot of stuff for free at the local level. I'm not necessarily sure that they get a lot of free stuff on the national or global level. Now for both sides, it's important for you to know your value, know what you bring to the table and why that person or company should work with you on a long-term basis. Not just some, I'm going to 
show up at your hotel and post about it one time. Not a social media post that essentially becomes lost in the shuffle after a few days. This is about relationship building. That's essentially what sales are. And and in this particular situation, I think both the hotel and the influencer learned a very valuable lesson. So I will link to the full story on so you can really see the dirt of how this guy responded because it really was quite funny how he responded. But then the, it, what unfortunately happened is the girl starts getting, you know, trolls start, you know, coming to her account and and just, you know, not being nice. So it, it's it's shame to go, I think, on both sides. But uh, ultimately, there are lessons to be learned in that particular instance. Now, the next thing that I I guess this is sort of a topic really because th- this this topic is is practicing self-care and I think that that's an important thing to talk about post holidays January I think everybody's sort of feeling sort of like the same like almost like a selfish vibe like what what how can I take care of myself in in 2020 and really I mean it, that's that's really what everybody should be thinking because if you're trying to take care of other people, you can't take care of other people if you're not taking care of yourself. So practicing self-care and avoiding the potential toxicity that comes with quote-unquote hustle culture. So this this goes back to this one tweet that says, if you don't work nights and weekends in your 20s, you're not going to have a successful career. Sorry. That's what this one guy tweeted out. And it sparked a ton of debate where people are just super passionate about not working their life away. And I think a lot of those points are very valid. So is burnout there are there was a recent uh, a CNBC article that covered a bunch of YouTubers who are just facing burnout and they don't want to continue to create on a daily basis that that pressure that high level pressure I think that a lot of YouTubers face um, so they're facing burnout and they're they're frankly just quitting um, so I think both of those concepts of let's take a break let's practice self-care but also, are you really going to go anywhere if you don't work nights and weekends for your career and, and working in the prime of your life, you know, the, the, the 20s and 30s? Um, I think that the, uh, the important takeaway here is that I think most people should be more concerned with balance in their life. If, if you have, like I, I mentioned earlier in the show, if, you're, if content marketing is a priority for you and you've planned on this one day every week, I'm going to be blogging and someone invites you to happy hour, you got to skip the happy hour. Go to it the next day or the day before. But that particular night you set aside for content marketing and you, maybe you worked a really long day and you get home and you don't want to do it. Those are the times that you do have to do it. And because you set aside that time and you need to be dedicated to your craft. Otherwise, it's just a hobby. If you, if you want to make money in digital marketing or if you want to make money online or if you want to have any kind of significant career impact, I sort of agree with this guy that you do have to work nights and weekends. You do have to dedicate yourself. Um, but there is a balance that you can, that, that, that you can find with that, um, with the so-called, you know, the hustler culture mentality, which is almost being seen in like a negative light nowadays. Um, but it also has led to an increase in what's called the rise of self-care Sunday. And that's the idea that you can ignore all work and responsibilities, put on a face mask, rejuvenate, um, really practice that that those really self-care, to be honest. Um, but it's not just about, you know, face mask. They're one of my favorite Twitter followers or not followers. He doesn't follow me. I follow him is a guy called Naval. And I I know that I've seen him on an episode of Joe Rogan, and he was really just one of those guys that just has those that just calm sort of voice, and 
He doesn't have to talk really loud or really fast like I've done this entire show in order to get your attention. He talks in a really low, just meditative voice and he is really passionate about meditation and I I have practiced meditation for the past year using the Calm app but this guy Naval his advice on meditation and I'm going to link to it in the show notes because it's a thread that's really really valuable and he said the key to meditation is not use any apps or use an app at first and then wean yourself off of it. Um, so a lot of these these meditation apps that you're seeing out in the marketplace, it, it, it's one of those situations where uh, y- you can use it to get you started. And then once to take your once you take your meditation to the next level, which if you get to like a, a, a certain levels, I, I don't want to say like Buddhist levels, but there are situations where people can meditate and they can take their mind to a place where you can explore different parts of your mind that you didn't even know existed. And that's the power of the brain. That's the power of meditation. So I'll link to that in the show notes because it's definitely well worth the read. It's a really long thread, but essentially – you know, the rise of self-care Sunday, the advice on meditation, um, but then also this hustle culture. I, I think the real takeaway here with practicing self-care is, is, is balance work, your, your work, your life. It's all different from everyone. And, and really the most important takeaway is that if you want a life that few experience, you have to put in the work that many won't. And that manifestation is different for every single person. So I thought that that's, you know, I, I, I've, you know, January is my planning month. So reading a bunch of these different, uh, I guess, philosophies and tasks, that, that's one that I've really enjoyed reading up on and, and watching different YouTube videos and, and seeing different theories on how you can practice more self-care, but how it fits into your life. Because it's going to be different for everybody. Now, there also is a bunch of content marketing related stuff that, but honestly, is too damn much for, for one show um, or even 10 shows. This is a lot of content I'm about to send your way. Um, but a few little, a few little key notes um, that you might find interesting. And like I said, I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but I'm going to link each one of them in the show notes. So if any of these sound uh, particularly interesting to you, just check the show notes, check out the blog, bonjourwithlife.com, and you'll be able to see all of these, uh, or really uh, just click on the links in order if you want to read more, if they sound interesting to you. So uh, first one up is Lilo Social created a break-even social calculator, so you know the ROI of your social media posts and ad spend. Um, another article is a bunch of CMOs tell Forbes what will happen or keep happening in the marketing world of 2020. I personally love to see what, you know, the, the, the top level executives in the country, I, I like to see where they think the trends are heading. Um, so that was a great article that I read. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Garth Manthe shares some tips on spicing up those Instagram stories by adding color blocks and, and you know, just, just different ways to make your stories uh, more appealing. And and that's a, a big focus of mine for 2020 is I don't want to just mindless, mindlessly post to Instagram stories. More and more people are using them. So it, the, the reach there is only going to continue to decrease. Um, so you want to make sure, or I personally want to make Make sure that everything that I post has a story attached to it where I'm not just like mindlessly posting, oh, I'm at the beach. Um, that That's not what I'm going to post anymore. I uh, used to back in the day, but not anymore. Um, so there, there's going to be a little bit of, of, of storytelling behind the Instagram stories that I post. And, and, and Garth had some pretty good tips on how to make those appealing because if you have – if you develop that reputation of, of having people check out your story and not wanting to miss it, then every single time you post, 
then that's going that, then this is a, a strategy that you can take into your own probably maybe perhaps i don't know it just it looked cool so i'm sharing a link to it um another story in the content marketing bucket is adblock plus is getting smarter um there's a link to it a twitter a really cool twitter thread um that talks about how you know i think most people not most people i think a, a good majority of people use uh, the ad blocking tool that's a plugin for your browser um but there's a tool called adblock plus that is more of a smart filter for, for different ads. Um, so that was a cool little read. Also on the list, HubSpot and Moz's lessons, which are the biggest, you know, sort of growth marketing SEO experts in the game. Uh, they share their lessons on adapting to a new era of search. As far as organic SEO, uh, you, most of us know that, you know, the, past the first page of Google is almost like just like a, putting a billboard in a forest. Um, so there's adapting to the new era of search, which also includes voice search, which is growing in popularity and it's growing in intelligence too. So you need to be aware and planning for that. Maybe not this year, but maybe in the coming year. So it was just a, you know, it's an interesting article on that. Then there was also Adweek's tweet thread about what they've learned after podcasting more than 182 episodes over the course of four years. So they share a lot of tips that I think a lot of newbies, um, even you know somebody I, somebody like myself, I've been podcasting for years, but I'm always learning new things. And that was a really great thread from Adweek. Next up is if you're producing content and tracking analytics, you need to be aware of California's new privacy laws, which are going to be changing a lot of things. It's going to be changing a lot of ads. It's going to be changing a lot of analytics. So if you have Google Analytics on your account, if you are a podcaster, if you even have like a Squarespace website and you're collecting data on your website, you got to know about this. You got to know about California's new consumer privacy law because usually what happens in the marketing world or, or even the legal world that if, if, if things start happening in California, they start happening in the rest of the United States, but they usually start in California. So I'm going to link to California's new consumer privacy law that even affects podcasters. Um, and then finally on this little content marketing dump list is Matthew Woodward's Eight frameworks for amazing content. So if you listen to our content marketing or content planning portion of this show or former episodes, um, think think link list posts, how to post case studies, etc. So if you're in the beginning stages of planning your content, then this link to this graphic is is really valuable because it, it just jots out all of the different styles of content and then how you can apply that into your different content marketing plans. And now finally, for just to recap everything that I'm, you know, reading, watching, whatever, I want to celebrate some good news. We are, you know, if you're on social media, it's just, you know, every shit's hitting the fan every single day. People are fake mad about thumbnails every single day. It gets exhausting. Sometimes you need to take a detox. But Bloomberg released an article with a bunch of really good stats that can, that, that make you feel good. It made me feel good reading it. So at the global level, we're living longer, we're healthier Child mortality is down. Poverty is decreasing. We're murder murdering each other less. And literacy is increasing. Now, of course, you, the typical responses to a, a tweet thread like that, uh, you can probably expect, you know, some of the trolls that were within that uh, thread. But it was just, it's good news to hear that, you know, overall, as a human society, as a human species, to hear these stats and of course, there are going to be nuances to each of those stats, uh, that discussion for another time, not on this show, uh, but it, it, it is cool to hear those stats. Um, so I'll link to the full study in the show notes as well. But 
Until next time, thanks to everyone for listening. Remember to hit up bonjourwithblythe.com to see all the show notes from this episode with links to read more on topics that you like the best. Also hit that subscribe option on your platform of choice if you'd like to be notified when new shows drop. But until next time, my name is Blythe and I appreciate your time and attention. I hope you go out and kill those 2020 goals. Not literally, but figuratively. You know what I mean. It's also about the fans. Fans. Um... The media, uh, I don't think you guys understand how present you guys were with me. You know, you guys were there with me at 5.30 in the morning when I was running the track and I was midway through my workout, and I didn't know if I could make it through. And I thought about the expectations you guys had, you guys had for me and you had for our team, and it pushed me through. It got me through those 800s and 400s and 100s at 5.30 in the morning, so I thank you. And uh, it's about family. It's about my wife, Vanessa. (laughs) You know, you guys don't know this, but the last game, my last game uh, that we had here against the Utah Jazz, I was really tired. I got home and I was like, you know what? I don't know if I can do this thing. Um, I got one more game left, but I don't have any legs. And she said, I want to show you something. I got a gift for you for your last game. And uh, she proceeded to show me a row of retired jerseys from Baylor, from Magic, from Shaq, from Cap, all with personal messages signed to me, including from Michael Jordan, including from the great Bill Russell, including from the great Larry Bird. And when I saw that, I knew then that I had to turn it up. I had to turn it up. So thank you, baby, for being an inspiration to me. And uh, and lastly, our daughters, Natalia, Gianna, and Bianca. you know, I, 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 I hope that tonight is not, you know, you guys know that, you know, if you do the work, you work hard enough, dreams come true. You know that, we all know that. But hopefully what you get from tonight is the understanding that um, those times when you get up early and you work hard, those times when you stay up late and you work hard, those times when you don't feel like working, you're too tired, you don't want to push yourself, but you do it anyway, um, that is actually the dream. That's the dream. It's not the destination, it's the journey. And if you guys if you guys can understand that, then what you'll see happen is that you won't accomplish your dreams. Your dreams won't come true. Um, something greater will. And uh, if you guys can understand that, then I'm doing my job as a father. Thank you guys so much. I love you. And, uh, Mamba out.